When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast for uh, Jeff Burton. My name is Donnie Fandango. This is my homeboy and former Blues defenseman, NHL defenseman, and just really generally a pretty rad guy. Mr. Jamie Rivers, what's going on, Rid? Wow. I mean, I ain't even mad at the intro. I'll take it. No, no, but, and, uh, and you know what's crazy? I mean it too. I, I well, I appreciate that, Donnie. I nope. think you're a pretty rad dude yourself. I have my moments. I you, love you, Donnie. You know, I can I go. Love you. I can go in and out of it all, but uh, you know, man. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know the uh, the the best way to uh, to tackle this, but you know, man, I I I know that you have uh, experienced a loss here recently, and. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how much people know. Yeah. Do they know? Have you talked about it? Uh, no, not really. Not really? No. Well, uh, this is, uh, is kind of yeah, ca- right kind of it. Yep. Well, then I just want to say that I'm sorry, <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. I appreciate it. For for those listening who don't know what the heck's going on, my dad passed away a couple of days ago, and uh, it was an expected death. He had yeah. been fighting uh, cancer again. Yeah, cancer has gotten a few good people here recently, and uh, he had whittled away to next to nothing and it was hard to see him in that position yeah uh, but you know, he's in a better spot right now you know uh, but still it's tough we're dealing with it yeah we're well, figuring it out we love you brother i love you too i hope you know that and boy what a crap ass year this has been <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, i mean <laughs> I, I have a not that i didn't hate cancer before but my god i have got a newfound hate for cancer it just sucks it's dude it is like i mean it, ju- just in my immediate family alone, okay, my great grandfather, my great grandmother, my grandma. This is on my this is on my dad's side, and then on my mom's side, her mom and dad both died of cancer, and it is just, it is so br- you know, man. Like I think that's the thing that was like so alarming with Jeff is just you see the life that yeah. it absolutely takes out of you, and then. You know, and I don't know exactly what it is, but one of the things that I was very inspired by by Jeff is uh, how he was dealing with, like, dietary stuff towards the end. And uh, I think that's something that we all need to be a lot more locked in on, man. I wonder if it's the things we're eating. I, yeah. I just wonder because it's everywhere. And I'm, uh-huh. not, I'm not a doctor, so I shouldn't 
throw things. But, you know, man, it's just something that's incredibly freaking concerning as we get older. The problem is that we don't really know. Yeah. It's like the, it's like cancer keeps moving the goalposts on us. Yeah. Or you think you figured this out. No, no, actually, you're wrong. Yeah. It just, I don't know, educate yourself as best you can. Get checked out. Get blood tests. Get blood work done. Uh, and try to get that stuff taken care of. But, yeah. Cancer claimed another one. Man, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. And in what will be the worst transition in the history of podcasts, uh, our St. Louis Blues get a game one win on Saturday yeah. night. And uh, it, w- it was great to see the guys back in action. Um, I know that people are a little frustrated in how the schedule shakes out and that, you know, that they started so late and all that sort of <sighs> so thing. Stupid. It is kind of dumb because then I thought I saw somebody tweet this morning that like in February or something, they play like. 31 games in 62 days or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's dumb. But now, here's so here's what people have to understand. It's not necessarily the league screwing over the Blues. The Blues, well, the Enterprise Center has a job to do, to book events there. Mm-hmm. Um, because one thing that we've learned is if there's a lockout or if there's a, a, a pandemic or whatever, like, they have to keep that building going. Mm-hmm. And so the Who had been in, was it the Saturday night, I think it was? Yep. Or, or the Friday night before, whatever the case, there are certain events that were happening at Enterprise Center that prohibited the Blues from starting their season until last Saturday night. And so that condenses things. Now, the rest of it, as far as having to wait another couple of days or whatnot, it's an algorithm. Yeah. They plug it into a, a system and it just goes. Listen, we have to stop this. The NHL is trying to screw us. That Like, this whole mentality, man, is not healthy for no. any of us, and they're not trying to do that. We have a great team and a great organization that they love to highlight. It's just how it works. You know what I mean? Like the playoffs last year. Good Lord, an 8-39-30 start. You got yeah. people jumping off buildings for the love of Pete. Well, that was a little frustrating, but it is what it is. Yeah. The NHL doesn't sit there in New York and go, ooh, how can we screw over St. Louis? Exactly. No. Exactly. So what did you see in game number one that you really liked? What did you see in game number one that maybe you didn't love as much? Well, I liked the game overall. Yeah. I really did. I thought that the uh, you know the offense came ready to play. Guys were scoring goals. The one thing that I noticed the most was, you know, Craig Berube talks about playing on on your toes. We, we weren't on our toes or we were on our toes. And people are like, what the hell is he talking about? All it means is if you're skating forward. You got to be on your toes because you're leaning forward. You're on your toes. If you're skating backwards, you're leaning back on your heels. Makes sense. So when the Blues are on their toes, it means they're pressuring the opposition. Four of the five goals were scored off of turnovers created by pressure from the Blues. And so I'm actually going to break this down uh, the next game. We got a little telestrator action going. Ooh, that's so cool. You get to do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was sitting there going, look at this. This is what this is exactly what Chief means. Like, yeah. Play on your toes. And they were. Like, look at the turnovers that were caused, and then pucks that were loose, and then Blues capitalized off it. So, for me, they were they were competing. They were playing on their toes. Uh, they were pushing the pace up the ice. They did a good, jo- good job of that. Now, there was a, the second period was a little wonky at times. Mm-hmm. Um, they scored the two goals in 20-some-odd seconds yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and, and, like, the first goal, the puck goes up, hits Pareko in the face, and then drops right there. And Pareko can't even do anything because he's sitting there going, oh, my God, I just <laughs> hit in the face with the puck. <laughs> right. And then that ends up in the back of the net. So that one, I mean, it is what it is, right? You're like, okay, bad bounce. And then you follow that up with, you know, some aggressive play by the D. Kairou getting back but not taking the right path to get back. And then letting up a little bit at the end because thinking, well, this guy doesn't have anywhere to shoot it. And then Bennington goes for the poke check, which probably he wouldn't do if it was game 30. 
and it goes up over his shoulder, and then you have two goals in 18 seconds. So that was a little crazy, but then I found that the Blues kind of regained momentum towards the end of the second. They were creating some opportunities, and then in the third, they came out like they were ready to roll. Yeah. So I, I, I thought that overall for the first game of the season against a team that that was their third game, I thought it was good. So, like, early on in the season, Jamie, like, what are the coaches – looking for i mean obviously you're looking for line combos and and, and that sort of thing mm-hmm. but like and a blues team that some of that is already kind of established you, you know what are the coaches doing for these first handful of games as far as evaluation goes they're trying to get this team to uh playoff ability right now right now. you want your team to play perfect every night now it's not real you can't do that right. nobody plays perfect but that's what you're striving for so you know there's only what two guys maybe two guys new faces in the lineup Last year, you got Levo and Achari and Achari, and I think that's it as far as new faces mm-hmm. are concerned. So you're buttoning down on the systems. You're making sure everybody's playing the right way. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. You're pushing. You know, it's that like, let's go. This is what we're doing now. The Blues did change their defensive zone coverage a little bit, so we'll see how that works out. I found that they gave up too many opportunities in Game One. They got hemmed in a few times, uh, and they they used to play a a man to man where when the puck went above the top of the circles, they go man-to-man and lock on. In theory, that's okay. But in the new NHL, where you can't really lock on to a guy, it's tough. Mm-hmm. One player that gets beat screws up everything. Because now you're man-to-man, one guy gets beat, that guy's all by himself. Right. So I know Craig Berube's focused on uh, shrinking and, and kind of you know guarding the house instead of like running out to the... To play man to man, just you know, one guy goes, four guys stay back, kind of a, more of a zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it, like anything that you try or that you start brand new, there's going going to be some speed bumps involved in the process. So, to me, that was the one thing where I thought, okay, the defensive zone looks a little bit sloppy. Maybe sloppy is a bad word. No, it's not, because Chief used that exact word on the fast lane. <laughs> he said it was just sloppy. I said, okay, you got it, Chief. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I can say that. I think so. But yeah, so that's the one thing for me. You know, tighten up the defensive zone. Otherwise, man, I thought it was a really good game. Jordan Bennington was good. Yeah. The D were good. Pareko and Letty looked really good together. Power play went one for three off an incredible play by Tory Krug. The no-look pass. He's staring at the goalie like he's going to shoot, and he slides it over, and old Bucci there goes top cheese with it. So I was I was impressed with it. Penalty kill was perfect. Uh, Torpchenko had five hits. Achari had six hits. Your fourth line was your fourth line. So. Yeah. A lot of really good things coming out of that game. Yeah, you know, I remember it seemed like a handful of years ago, you know, I would think that the Blues could like sort of kind of, you know, uh, slowly kind of get themselves into the season. Get a couple of losses here, there, what have you. But man, the way that the West is now, I mean, we literally cannot afford to lose points. You can't. At all. Specifically in this division. Yeah. You know, which is all right now. Minnesota sucks right now, so that's fine. We, We like that. But Nashville's going to be a better team. Uh, Colorado's obviously going to be a better team. Winnipeg is going to be a better team this year. Like, there's some serious opponents in this division now. And in the Western Conference, I watched that Vegas-Calgary game last night. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Those are two good teams. Yeah. I watched the Oilers. Uh, The Oilers didn't win, but they're a nightmare offensively. Like, we were going to have the Oilers on Saturday, I believe, and then again on Wednesday here, which is going to be fun. I'm doing in-game. On Wednesday. Oh, that's awesome. I'm uh, subbing in for Darren Pang, so that's going to be pretty wild to be right down ice level with Connor McDavid and those guys flying around. I got to tell you, man, Connor McDavid's 
maybe it wasn't his rookie year, maybe it was his second year, but I had seats pretty close and and just had a chance to kind of lock in and watch that guy. It's so amazing, Jamie, for me to see someone that is that big with so much <laughs> skill, dude. Like his ability to start and stop and move and handle the puck. Yeah. It's incredible. So there are more skilled guys in the league. I'll say that right now. Like okay. Kucherov is more skilled than Connor McDavid. And I could go down, I could make a list of guys. However, okay. there is nobody in the history of the NHL. I just said it in the history of the NHL that is able to make moves and do things with the puck at full speed like Connor McDavid does. I've never seen it. Now, somebody who I've put in this category, and I have to tread carefully here, okay? Nathan McKinnon is another guy who does it too. He 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 operates at high speeds and at high levels of, of skill. If you watch Jordan Cairo, now the problem with this is Jordan Cairo doesn't do it as often mm-hmm. as Connor McDavid or as Nathan McKinnon. He's not he's not in that bracket. However, when you watch him when he's at his best, Jordan Cairo operates at full speed and he's got a high level of skill. Mm-hmm. That's what makes him such a great player. That's what you look at and you go, whoa, boy, can you imagine if we get this like every single night? Now, I don't think he can get to a McKinnon or a McDavid uh, level, but it separates him from the pack on a, like a more uh, like the, the herd. Sure, sure. How do you – so then, Jamie, dude, how would you defend a guy like Connor McDavid? How I'd do probably you... just take a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, so, like, my idea, though... No, are you asking me seriously? No, no seriously. And I, let me Because I, I do have some experience playing on some pretty fast some, guys in some the history pretty, of the game. Some pretty great players, yeah. but, like, I mean, are you trying to mentally take them out of the game? Are you... Oh, what, what's your role? Me. Okay, so you want to dive behind the curtain here? Yeah! I don't know if I should do this. People might think I'm a really horrible human being. Nah, dude, you're playing a game. Let's go. Okay. Um, or maybe you want to clean it up. However you want to handle it the best way. I trust you. I'm really a good person, okay? I know you are. My heart is pure. Yes. Um, I'm not a very nice person when I play hockey. Okay. And uh, so I would use that. And so Pavel Bure, let's use him. Because okay. that guy could fly. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, very first time I got out on the ice against that guy in that game, doesn't matter if the play was on, the whistle was going, I'm going, I'm taking my stick and I'm jabbing it right into his gut. I am. Mm-hmm. And then when he looks at me, I just tell him I can be here all night. Tip your waitress. All night. Just to let him know that Tip, you're there. And then he's looking over his shoulder. Yeah. The whole game. And that then, makes sense. Then I time him up. I tell my partner, say, listen, when he circles up, whatever, I'm timing him up. I'm going to get up and gap up and get right in his back pocket. And if he touches the puck, I'm, gonna, I'm putting him into the friggin' boards. That's it. And I would do it. And even if he didn't get the puck, he, could, he would turn and see me. And he's like, oh, geez, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. Then I was in his head for the whole game. And I'd just be like, you'd have to, you have to go somewhere really screwed up, honestly. I'm not joking. Yeah. Because in order to play against guys that are that good for an entire game, like you have to be on your game. The, the switch has to be on. You can't take a breather. You take one second to breathe, it's in the back of your net. You know, finding the right doctor for your family, the right dentist for your family, it's so important and it's not easy. So once you find a doc you really love, a dentist you really love, you want to tell the world. And that's how I am with our family dentist, and that's Crestwood Dental Group and Dr. James Maxwell. Now, Crestwood Dental Group, located off of Watson uh, in Sunset Hills, uh, Dr. Maxwell has been my family's dentist for a number of years, and it is very reassuring for me to know as a dad that my kids' teeth are in the best hands possible. Uh, Dr. Maxwell is always learning. He's always taking new classes. 
classes to find out a, a better way uh, to do something. They want to make your experience at the dentist's office as, I mean, as easy breezy as possible. If your family is looking for a dentist, I absolutely, I can promise you that Dr. Maxwell and his staff at Crestwood Dental Group are going to take great care of you. Give him a ring at 314-463-5655. It's Crestwood Dental Group and Dr. James Maxwell. Make sure you tell him Donnie sent you. Crestwood Dental Group, a proud sponsor of the Last Minute Blues podcast. Who is a great player? And maybe Pavel Bure is the example. Who was a great player that you were good at getting in their kitchen? Well... A lot of them. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I, mean, I like that. But that was my job. That was, right? and that, look, yeah. that's the only way I could survive. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like yeah. I, I wasn't getting the power play time. Uh, you know, I wasn't a star player. So when I played against those guys, I had to make their life miserable, and I had to create an advantage. And so every player, Mark Messier tried to cross check me in the face one day. Yarmer Yager took a baseball swing and tried to slash me. Mario Lemieux tried to fight me one time. Which was great because <laughs> I used to come job, back to the bench yeah. and guys would be like, son of a, you got, like, you're, I'm like, listen, the more time that that individual and that entire team spends trying to kill me, the less time they're spending trying to score goals. Absolutely so. So there were times where, hey, you know, 10, 11 ice packs on me at the end of the game. Just go sit in the ice bath for like 10 minutes because they would get you back. Like yeah. they would, you wouldn't be looking. Someone would slash in the back of the legs, cross check you. The ref's not looking. There was only one ref too for a while. Right. Now they I forgot the about that. Yeah. yeah. That ref would turn his head and you get tomahawked right in the back of the legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. He, he accidentally looks the other oh, way. Oh yeah. Yeah. So no, but that was, that was my mission was to go out there and make life miserable for these guys. And the more I could do that, the more of the, the more advantage I could gain just keeping them off the score sheet. Absolutely. Because it's a freaking chore, man. You, I mean, it is. The the guys who are really hard to defend, like Brendan Shanahan, Owen Nolan, Eric Lindros, like those are guys you're not really affecting them. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're like, bring it. Like I remember playing in Shanahan. We had wars. We were teammates here, too. Yeah, yeah. My very first uh, training camp, my very first scrimmage, I fought Brendan Shanahan. Wow. It was an accident. <laughs> It really was. Well, explain then. How is it an accident? Well, the fight. Well, okay. Let me go through it, okay? (laughs) Yeah, please let us know. Let me go through it. All right. So we're at Brentwood Ice Rink, and, uh, you know, you throw the teams out there. I'm 18 years old. I mean, I've seen these guys on TV. It's kind of a big moment, but I'm like, hey, I'm a big deal too, right? No, you're not. But anyways, so Brendan Shanahan's standing in front of the net. I'm just kind of cross-checking him, you know, because, like, get out of here. Like, I'm here to make the team too. I don't care if you scored 60 goals last year. You're not scoring right now. Right. And I looked at the puck in the corner. The play was over to my left. I'll never forget. And I cross-checked him, and I kind of held back a little, but he had fallen. He, like, slipped or fell, like, to, to his knee. And so I wasn't looking, so I gave another one, and it cross-checked him right in the face. Oh, God. So when I say it was an accident... It was. I mean, it really was. Yes. Like, I was just giving him little cross-checks, but then I cross-checked him in the face, and then, of course, he went cross-eyed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is understandable. He went full Irishman <laughs> on me. And I, I, as I turned, he was swinging at me because I still didn't realize that I had cross-checked him in the face. And so we went round and round and round. And it was a good one. It was a good tilt. Then the, we didn't have refs on the ice. The players would break it up. Right. And so uh, I saw him afterwards. Like, in Brentwood, it's so tight. All the rooms were like... You, know, you see the guy in the shower or whatever. And I'd be like, I was like, hey, man, I didn't mean to cross-check you in the face. Uh, I didn't know you'd fallen. You know, 
And he's like, no, I, I figured that. He's like, but either way, you know, you cross-checked me in the face. I'm like, all right, good. He goes, like, hey, we're going to the uh, train wreck to grab some wings and beer. <laughs> That's what I was going to wonder, like how that goes down in it practice. Was unbelievable. I was like, okay, I'm 18, first of all. I'm right. legal in Canada. Right. <laughs> Wasn't really legal here, but let me tell you what, Donnie. I had a beer that day. <laughs> that's that's incredible. So, like, all right. So then in 2019, when the Blues won the Cup, and there was that that fight in practice, was yeah. it Fabry and Bortuzzo? No, uh, Zach Sanford. Zach Sanford, okay. So then, like, so, Jamie, what happens in the locker room after that? I, is it cool? Is it weird? Is it? You're flying five minutes later. Really? Okay. So yeah. it's, it's not a big deal. I've had fights in practice to where you're going at, like defensive zone coverage. Your team is in a slump. It always happens this way. People are on edge. You're angry. And the coach is like pushing. You know, he's like, uh-uh. Because his job's on the line. Whenever you see something like that, so you're like any kind of defending and someone's trying to score and it's like a physical battle, tempers flare. But I've had it where you look at it and you just throw down and you just go and then teammates come in, they break it up. Coach will tell you, go cool off for a second. You skate over, grab some water, and the drill doesn't even stop. Next, guys, and away you go, and then you're fine. And two minutes later, you're. I'd feel so bad if I started a fight with my teammate. I'd have to apologize a bunch. I wouldn't probably be very good at it. I don't think so. Well, Too many you apologies. Would, though, if you were wired that way, though, Donnie? Yeah. You, you know, like if you're wired from the time you're a kid where you're battling your teammates, in fact, you. In theory and in fact, you battle your own teammates more than you battle any other opponent. Because you're practicing against them and all that stuff, yeah. You're practicing, 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 practicing. So if there's somebody that's annoying, they're going to really annoy you. And if somebody that, you know, is like getting the best of you, it's going to get annoying to you. Tempers flare. Now, it doesn't happen much anymore, Mm -hmm. uh, but it happens. And so when Bortuzzo and Sanford got into it, I know for a fact they went to the locker. Everything was fine. They went to lunch that day. That's awesome. I just, I, I, and, and I'm not, I guess, surprised by that completely. But, you know, it's still two dudes fighting. So, you know, you, 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 you just kind of wonder. You ever get in a fight with a sibling? Oh, yeah, 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 a ton. What's the difference? Oh, yeah, not nothing. Except it's a bummer that my younger brother can absolutely kick my ass. That, that's a bummer. But you're still, okay, so your younger brother kicks your ass. Uh, and then your mom goes, hey, it's dinner. You go sit at the same dinner table, right? Oh, yeah. Same thing. Yeah, I guess so. That You're does make sense. with these guys so much. Like, people don't understand that the teammates literally become a form of family. Yeah. You're with them every day. You travel with them, hotel, you eat on the road, you're playing games. He's got to have your back in the game. You've got to have his back in the game. So if you turn, you end up fighting each other in practice, you're just fine. Yeah. Well, and I guess, too, I think that's one of the things, and I've said it on the podcast a bunch, that really fascinates me about uh, sports teams in general and, you know, not just hockey, but uh, I think for a very long time in my sports-loving life, I underestimated how important uh, the bond between the players is and how critically crucial that chemistry is. Because if the chemistry is a bit off, even if you're a good team, yeah. it can take you down, right? Yes, it does. Yeah. I've, played on, I've played on a couple of teams where you're like, we were way too talented to have this happen. Yeah. And it just, you know, guys didn't get along. Or it wasn't like visible, visible, but you knew, you know, mm-hmm. little clicky. You can feel it. You can feel it. I played on, for example, Ottawa Senators, uh, what was it, 2000-2001. We had a juggernaut for a team. We were first in the Eastern Conference. And we had Alexi Yashin, Daniel Alfredson, Marty Havlat, Marietta Hossa. Radic Bonk, God, like you, we had a team. Yeah. And uh, we lost four straight to the Maple Leafs in the first round. We had a team, but like Alexi Yashin kind of did his own thing. Um, the, we called them the Czech Mafia. 
they kind of did their own thing on the road. And we had a couple of French guys that did their own thing. And then a couple of Western leaguers. Like, it was very much like, not, well, clicky, I yeah. guess, is what it, you would say. But it wasn't like on purpose, but it was just, that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. So when I look back on that season in particular, and the playoffs, most like most uh, importantly, I could tell. Because the Leafs, their strategy, that, that whole playoff round was to just, physically annihilate us mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot of heavyweights like the guys who were playing physical on our team were me shane knighty and another guy but he didn't even play in the playoffs andre Wah. that was it and they had a bunch of guys yeah they had ty domi they had darcy tucker shane course and gary roberts like a lot guys were willing to engage and so if you don't have guys that are all together sticking together you get annihilated. So, That's so, what happened to us. All of our stars just didn't perform. They didn't score. They didn't play. Yashin was like 90 points that year, and he didn't get one point in four games. Wow. Yeah. So, so like, when you see that from the outside, like, is a team like that uh, one player away? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, a team it, like do, that is a leader away. Okay. And but, it's not even the t- captain of the team, per se. It's somebody. The head coach. Oh. Like, our head coach. Jacques Martin. I like Jacques. Uh-huh. I think he's a, an incredible X's and O's coach. He doesn't always have a real good feel for the locker room. Mm-hmm. And that's what hurt us, is that we didn't have a, a, a unified group. We had a great group of players, but not a unified group. Who is your favorite coach to play for in the NHL? And I'm sorry if we've asked you this before, but I don't know that we have. Yeah, uh, well, my favorite coach, probably, I played for Scotty Bowman. But Dave Lewis, when he took over for Scotty Bowman. Mm-hmm. When Bowman retired, right? Yeah. Yeah. That did wonders for my career. He he played me. Mm-hmm. He played me on the Detroit Red Wings team with all these. And it really, like, it helped me. And I played a lot. And it was fun mm-hmm. to play for, for Dave Lewis. We didn't have the ultimate success that year, which stinks. But for me, I like Dave. I like Joe Quenville. I thought Q was really, really good with the players, he had a really good understanding for what the players are thinking, but how the coach needs to you know, implement everything. So Joel is a good coach. Robbie Fatorik in Boston was a nutcase, but I loved him. He was an absolute nutcase. What made him a nutcase? Oh, God, Donnie, you don't have enough time. <laughs> he had so many quirky things he would do. Like the first thing he did any time he'd meet a new player, he'd say, uh, "What's the more <laughs> real boss? What's the most important thing in hockey?" <laughs> Like winning, no, that's the result. So you go through a list, working hard. That's part of the process. All right, and you're like, what the? <laughs> What's the and then he wouldn't give you the answer. You go find out. Tell me. So then I'm in the locker. I'm like, all right, guys, <laughs> somebody fill me in. Like on I the quiz. know you guys have been through this. Okay, I'm the new guy. I get it. What's the answer, Bill Garrett? I'll never be like the puck. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, just go tell him the puck. I'm like, okay. So I walk back. He's like, oh, you're back already, huh? I'm like, yeah. I go, uh, the puck. He goes, you're damn right it is. Because if you don't have the puck, you can't score. Take care of that thing. And that was it. <laughs> Dude, that is fantastic. I, I played goalie, by the way, that year. Bobby oh. Fatorik is the guy who put me in net. Well, you block a lot of shots. So I think you'd be a good goalie. What? <laughs> Byron Defoe had a tweak growing, and I, I don't know why, if the organization was too cheap to call up a goalie for the week or the American League team was on the road or something. 
I played goalie for a week for the Boston Bruins. That that does not sound like a great time. It just I don't, well, I, Donnie, think about it. Actually, it was a luxury. I block shots with no goalie gear on. Oh, I guess you're right. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah, I take pucks in the face, off the ribs, off my feet, right. off my knees. I was like, this is heaven. <laughs> I'm like you goalies got it made. <laughs> and Robbie's the guy who played me at center too. This guy's a nutcase, but I had so much fun that year. Like he comes into one day and he's got this book. I don't know what the hell he's holding. He's like pointing. He's like point. Look at here. Look at here. I'm like, what? I look at it. It's my stats. I go, yeah. Uh, what, what do you like? He said, you scored 121 points as a defenseman? I'm like, yeah. He goes, like, I knew you were good in the American League because I was two-time All-Star in the American League, you know, almost point-a-game defenseman. He's like, I'm going to play you at center on the fourth line. I'm like, what? He goes, well, think about it. He goes, the center plays down low in the defensive zone. We'll have, like, three defensemen on the ice. And he goes, then you can go play offense. Go play offense. Because it kept to a point where he had injuries, it came back, and I was kind of sort of the six seven defenseman. Sure. And he wanted to keep me in the lineup. So I was like, okay. So the very first game, never forget, we played against the Buffalo Sabres. I was playing center. What was hilarious is because I played against this Buffalo team a number of times a year before uh, in the Eastern Conference, and then I go out for the for my shift, I go out for the faceoff. What <laughs> the hell are you doing? Are you lost? <laughs> Looking at me, I'm like, just go with it. <laughs> and so I went out there, uh, scored two goals that game. Unbelievable, my, dude. My only two-goal game ever in the NHL. I scored, <laughs> but the funny thing is, is I scored the second shift of the game. I scored as a forward. We went in, got a four-check, rebound came out, and I tucked it in. I was like, this is easy. <laughs> I got back to the bench. Of course, Robbie's like, I told you. <laughs> I freaking told you. And then the second goal I scored was on a power play, oddly enough, from the point. A one-timer shot. Dude, that is amazing. Yeah, I almost had a hat I hit the post again in the second period as a forward. So Robbie was like, he's like, I'm a genius. Dude, that is absolutely well, and also too, man. I think it speaks to your goddamn skill. That's incredible, Jamie. That, dude, that you're able to play defense. Play, I mean, like even if it's just for a week, being able for them to trust you to play goal. Well, I wanted to play dude. goalie, and I, have I ever told you that story about me almost being a backup goalie one night? No, we were in Florida. I was playing for the Panthers, and Mike Keenan was the coach there, and we had a goalie get hurt uh, the day before. And then our other goalie get hurt at the morning skate. So we only had one goalie. And we couldn't get another goalie. Like, they couldn't find another goalie. This was before the e-bug thing. So Mike Keenan comes in. Uh, Very similar to Robbie Fatorik in this instance. He's looking at total block shots, like career. A bunch of guys. And I blocked a lot of shots. Probably 200 a year. And he comes up and he goes, you might have to play goalie. I go, What? He's uh we can't we can't get a guy here. I don't know. We don't have another goalie. So he's like, put on Luongo's gear. So I put on Roberto Luongo's goalie gear and went out for practice the morning skate. And I they had a jersey made, a goalie jersey made with my name on I, I was going to back up goalie that night. And uh the son of a bugger that they'd found a guy, but he wasn't sure if they're gonna get there in time. He got to like 45 minutes before the game. Oh, damn it. I told the trainer, I said, go tell him I'll pay him $5,000 right now to go get lost for an hour <laughs> and then show up. And be, like, Nobody expects him here. Tell right. him to go. And, and I'll give him five grand. That's more than he'll make for backing up this game. Because uh, I was like, 
I want to be the only player in NHL history to have played every single position on the ice. Yeah. Apparently the kid wanted to play in the NHL, so. Nah, I can't blame him, I guess. Can't blame him. Probably <laughs> thought it was his shot. I was like, kid, I'm like, kid, okay. it's not your shot. Listen, I know that this isn't like the, the I know you don't look at it this way uh, because you've been a hockey player your whole life or whatever, but like the prospect of having NHL players shooting the puck at me <laughs> is just, I mean, like, even though you're blocking shots, I mean, it's still different, like, I mean, weren't you, like, a little afraid to get hurt or that no. you were going to suck or, like, any of those things? Well, I knew I could play goalie. I I always played goalie growing up and did all that. Like, goaltending, part of the, the process is wanting to be hit by a puck, right? Like, so you're halfway there. So you're halfway there. Yeah. The other part of it, not being afraid to be hit by the puck. That's another piece of it. And it is, it is way more horrifying to block a shot as a skater than it is a goalie. Because of the equipment? Yeah. Okay. Lack of. Okay, you were right. So you got to imagine, like, when Al McInnes, when I played against Al, and he'd wind up for a slap shot, and I, was, I had to block it. No no face mask, no goalie pads, not, like, open rib cage, arms exposed, like, you name it. And so you're taking a 100-mile-an-hour puck to your body, basically, just, bam, you absorb it. Put on goalie gear. You're like the Michelin man. Right. In there. Right. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> I'm like... You got any more? <laughs> Bring it. You know, I just thought of something. I need to somehow get tickets for that game that you're filling in for Panger, and then I can yell encouragements to you throughout the course of the game. <laughs> hey, buddy, you're doing a great job. That's my friend Jamie guy. I can just do those kinds of things all night. I'm sure that won't be annoying or distracting even in the slightest. Do you know any things have been yelled at me in my career? Oh, I can't. Yeah, I guess my I guess my nice things wouldn't be anything to throw you off. Man. No, I've, I'd find a way to battle through it. Don't well, I? it's uh, it's great to have hockey back, and it was great to uh, get a chance to talk to you today and uh, talk some blues hockey. I'm going to take the next couple of days off. You should. you should. I'm gonna. Yeah, you deserve it. Ah, oh, thanks, boss. I appreciate it very much. For Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, and Donnie Fandango, it's the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.